Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arseholics podcast. Recording on a Monday night after uh, what a beautiful Sunday it was. Uh, I've got it's me, Raj. I've got Mize, and I've got Aaron in here. And you know, firstly, credit to the boys because we're so desperate to talk about this game because it's been so much fun. So Mize isn't very well. Aaron in his I don't know where he is in the world. Amsterdam. I'm in Amsterdam with his mic balanced on a, on his what knee or in his bed or something like this. Well, and yeah, it's, I'm balancing my bedside table. It's, hotel rooms are not good podcast studios. That's what I've learned. <laughs> I mean, that's dedication, mate. Mice, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm excited to do this one. Actually, absolutely buzzing. In fact, still buzzing off yesterday. What a great day, man. I mean, it's. do you know what? Sometimes I think about when we start all these episodes, um, you know, last season, you know, you get a good result and it's a really fun and different start to the episode. And and now every time we start an episode, I sort of feel like I need to take it up a level in some ways in terms of, you know, happiness, in terms of enthusiasm. It's quite hard to, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we, you know, every week it's like, it's like peak and it can't get any better at the moment, but it just keeps getting better. I mean, we just... We're just a, a a results machine. We're a winning machine. It's just all falling into place. And we played Liverpool, the team who, man, they've had our number. They've had our number totally in every which way over recent years, over the Klopp era, certainly. Um, and it was just this amazing moment on Sunday, wasn't it? Did, it felt like it was something special. Mice, tell me what the win means to Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I think Arsenal fans, we must be like, I'm in dreamland at the moment, to be honest. Um, says a lot about where we've been the last few years. But yeah, when when I look at the table and, um, you know, eight wins from nine, six points from Spurs and Liverpool. Um, yeah, like I say, pretty much in dreamland. And just in terms of the game yesterday, I didn't think we would win yesterday. Not because I didn't think we'd play well. I thought we'd, we'd play well, but I thought it was a game that Liverpool would really want to kind of show up for basically and almost kickstart their season considering the start that they've had. Um, and to be fair, you know, we, we, we won on, we won the game off a, what you might call a soft penalty or some people might say it's soft and we're going to talk about that, but you know, I don't think you'd, I don't think any neutral, anyone who watched that game would watch it or would, would say now that we didn't deserve to win. Like, I think, I think we played well enough to win the game. And I think, you know, again, we're going to get into it, but, really got to give props to Arteta for for not just not just some of the decisions or the main decision he made yesterday at left back um or that change but also just in general um like what he's done now with this team and you know we're we're probably going to talk about specific players and how well certain players played and and kind of assess their performance and probably rave about a lot of our players but if you actually go through the team pretty much I'd say everyone had a really, really good game. And that's not the first time this season you could say that. You know, you're probably talking majority of the players had a good game. You might say Gabriel, you know, maybe a slight mistake for the goal. And maybe he wasn't, um, maybe, maybe maybe if you're looking at everyone, you might say he's the one that maybe didn't play as well as, as, as the others. But I think that's just, like I say, testament and credit to Arteta because he's got this team playing a certain way. Everyone knows their role. Everyone's playing for each other. Everyone's playing for Arteta. Um and, and I think we saw that yesterday. I think I, I think it was just a tactical masterclass from Arteta yesterday. And I think Klopp, Klopp really did get it wrong with with how he set up his midfield. Um, he didn't play Fabinho, which is surprising when you're kind of playing two holding midfielders. Like, why would you not play Fabinho? And he's gone for four strikers and he's kind of gone for the game. And 
hasn't really worked out. I think he maybe underestimated what what Arsenal could do going forward. So yeah, obviously, mate, I'm over the moon and um, yeah, like I say, in dreamland, really. There's a number of things you said in there, Mike. I think we need to deep dive on. I mean, it's, it's effectively you just laid out a pretty good agenda there. To be honest, there's so many, so, so many of those things. It's just it's gonna be great to talk about. Aaron, and I'm, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts, mate, because you weren't on the preview episode that we did. Mike, Nero, and myself, um, we were probably collectively the most pessimistic that we've been going into any game this season in terms of our predictions. You know, most games this season, we've either all of us have said we're going to win, someone might have said a draw. Um, but I, but I'm pretty sure most of us thought. I, I think I went for a loss. Mize, you went for a for a draw. I want to say, did you say two two or something? I think Nero went for a draw. Um, so it was two draws and a loss. Um, how did you feel coming into the game, and did Arsenal surprise you? Ah, uh, so when you predicted we'd draw or lose, right? Let's be real. There's no. If you look at the way we are playing, the only reason you predicted that is because of the Arsenal fan in you. Right? Well, there was logic. Like, I think, I think, I think my, lo- I, I, I agree with that. But then part of that, part of the logic was also that Liverpool are a team that ultimately, you know, it's not, it's not just the Arsenal in us, it's the Liverpool in them, you know, Liverpool yeah, are, a, always are up, a top right? side. Always right? us, yeah. 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 Look, I'm probably the same, right? I think if you had, look, I probably would have predicted a draw if you had asked me, but mm. if we had drawn yesterday, I would have secretly been really disappointed um because we're playing really really well and that's and we're playing better than Liverpool we're playing you know I think Pep said it right he said that there's one team in the country that's playing better than us and that's that's Arsenal um so we we often you know we've we're often a bit pessimistic as Arsenal fans because we know like there's something bad coming and there might still be something bad coming down Mm. the down the line right but you know we we knew going into that game if we play to our potential with this bunch of players, because this is a very different bunch of players than the the Mustafi era or even like the Lacazette and Pepe teams of last last year or whatever, right? This is a bunch of players. It's a system that we know can give anyone a game. And the question was, will we turn up? Will we play to our potential? And we did. And then, you know, Liverpool didn't help themselves because I don't think Liverpool, they're not at their strongest, but... We, you know, we can only beat what's in front of you, and we did the job, and that—that's all we've got to do, you know. Um, um, we just got to roll with it. Agree. What did you? I asked, I asked this to Mize last week about you know when we beat Tottenham. What did he learn about Arsenal, if anything? What What did you learn about Arsenal, Aaron, and this week? So, I think. I think before the start of the season, or even like after the first couple of games, I think we already knew that last season we were in and around being a, a top four team, right? Like we came close last season. You could argue we probably should have got top four last season. The the thing I learned yesterday was we're probably a bit better than a top four team now in mm-hmm. terms of Look, you could argue that given this start, and I know things could go wrong for the rest of the season. If we, if this team playing this football finished fourth now, I'd probably be a bit disappointed in the fact that I think we are a better team right now than than certainly Chelsea, certainly Spurs, certainly Man United. The question is, can we over the course of a season now match Liverpool and actually come second to Man City? Because I don't think anyone really believes we're going to go and win the league. But this is a really good team, right? And the question is now, how good is this team? 
not is this team good enough for top four it's how good is this team how much further beyond top four can we go and you have to be optimistic because we are we're playing really good football we're giving some of the best teams in the country a game where they're coming to our place they you know this isn't uh, us going and just winning and holding a one nil lead Mm. they're getting back into the game like spurs where they pinned us back and then we went and won the game after that like Liverpool, where they equalised in the what 60th minute, and then we went on and won the game. We are going and we're beating these teams, and they're coming back, and then they we're going back and beating them again, and that's that's something this Arsenal team haven't done before, and it's it's really exciting. So many good qualities. You touched on two things. One is. I think the way we're playing, the other thing is that kind of resilience, that bouncing back from, you know, whenever we seem to concede and et cetera, there's just, there's just so much to love and I suppose so much to dissect. I mean, my, is that Arsenal been getting loads of plaudits now? Like I know that we've been, you know, not, um, not annoyed, but you know, like the, the narrative has sort of been, oh yeah, okay, Arsenal, uh, great and everything, but you know, we've got to wait until they have a test and, you know, that's been kind of, you know, sort of the repeated comments from a lot of the media. But however, it does feel like after Liverpool, there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of people saying Arsenal are the real deal now. Um, yeah, a lot of the pundits are seemingly, I don't know why it was just the Liverpool game. Maybe it is the stature of Liverpool. Maybe it's the history of how we've been against Liverpool recently that's made them tip over the edge to think that, you know, Arsenal are actually a, a really good team. Mm. Um, and uh, there's obviously going to be lots of tests coming up and, and 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 there will be for every team not just arsenal but do you agree with aaron and sentiment there where that you know yes i think you said it last week where you said that ultimately you'll be happy with top four and you're happy with fourth champions league etc and, and and you know i think that was a really good point but do you agree with aaron's assessment that you know the way that this team is looking right now we better than fourth Oh yeah, for sure. The way we're looking right now, of course, everything's everything's super rosy, um, and of course, we, I mean, look, we're, we're it's not it's not sort of two or three games in where the league table abs- means absolutely nothing, right? We're we're sort of what almost a quarter of the season, well, quarter of the season, almost, or just yeah, yeah, uh, just just under quarter of the season, right? So yeah. it's a fairly decent um, kind of run of games, and what we're showing is consistency, I guess. Showing that consistency over, you know, all the way to May, once you factor in everything else in terms of like other competitions in Europe and stuff, that's that's going to be the challenge, right? And that's what that's why I think a lot of Arsenal fans are keeping their feet on the ground because we don't know how this team will react after a couple of defeats. We don't know how this team's going to react when or or deal with um, injuries and suspensions, right? Jesus is a yellow card away from a suspension, and then it's Eddie, and you know, that, you know, just speak, picking on that particular example, I'm not saying. Eddie won't do a job and he won't score goals. He will, but we we've all seen kind of the level that the levels that that Hazus has brought, and so so it's kind of it's kind of those things that we haven't yet been tested on, I guess, which is why I, for me personally, if come the end of the season we get fourth, I'll st- I'll still be happy because because like like I say, there's just st- still such a long way to go. There's still so many things that can that can affect. Um, there's just so many things that can change. And like you look at Liverpool, for example, they're obviously not at it yet, right? It's almost like their season hasn't, they just haven't kind of, they just haven't kicked off their season pretty much. And and for whatever reason that is, I can't, I personally, even though, the, and even though there's a massive points difference between us and them or, uh, or them and City, I can't see them not 
come the end of the season not really pushing for top four like that is their that's going to be their minimum right if they don't finish top four that's a huge drop off from where they've been the last few years and this Liverpool team okay they've lost Mane but they're fully capable of going on a silly run of kind of like not losing for 20, 25 games or something, you know, something ridiculous. So you can't really rule them out. And they've got all the other big, the big boys in there. So I think they're still going to be, it's still very, for me at the moment, it's still very much a fight for top four. Obviously, look, as we tick the games off and if we keep winning, then yeah, expectations might change and kind of my, my, my feelings about what we could do this season might change. But I think ultimately, I said this last week, I can't see, I mean, if you're kind of asking me, you know, like, could, could we challenge for the title? I just can't really see City not hitting 90 plus points again. Yeah. And I can't see us going anywhere near that, to be honest. Not anywhere near that, but I can't see us being as consistent to, uh, as City or anywhere near as consistent as City to kind of hit that level of number of points. Mike, that's that's because it's City, right? Like mm. any other season, not any other season, but like... Ultimately, like if City play even to twenty percent of their potential, they're winning the league, basically, right? And this year they've leveled up; they've signed Haaland to make it even harder. Like realistically, what what is what is like the best we can do? Like even the best Arsenal team is not going to win the league, right? Let's be like, even. Current, like, we'd have no, to like if, if we could but, smash it this season. We'd still probably come second. That's really annoying. Thing, but I, I think with this an interesting lens, right? Is that if you think about City pre Haaland, they didn't they didn't have one person that they could rely on, and they kept, basically had a system which different people are contributing in different ways, and it was very like interchangeable. You basically you basically had a bunch of players who could play anywhere along the top and the middle six, middle three, if you know what I mean. Like it was just so interchangeable. Um, but is there an argument to say right? Like, at the end of the day, if you win a game one nil or six nil, it's still three points, right? And mm. At the end of the day, the, the system they've got right now with Haaland is just being this absolute machine, this guy who, you know, as we said last week, you know, it's not even about he needs chances. He just needs half chances. It's just a different beast. But at the same time, it's a very specific system that they have to play to try and get the best out of him. Um, and so it's a bit different. So is there an argument to say, actually, they're so reliant on a system now built around one player? And I know they've got the quality to maybe adapt, is that where Arsenal's opportunity might lie? Not even just Arsenal, but anyone who's competing. See, is there is there opportunity there a little bit that if you can figure out a way to stop him for a game, or if he has a bad game, or if he gets injured, is that where City could potentially come unstuck? I don't think so. I think they're just so good. They're, it's basic. They're just like I don't use the word cheating, but they're just like they're too good, right? You can't. They've got unlimited money basically, and they've spent it, unlike some of the teams who have a lot of money, they've spent it really well. And they know what they're doing, and they've got a world-class manager to make all that world-class talent play really well, right? And they could lose Haaland, and they could just bring someone else in, who they got as Alvarez as well, and um, he could go and score loads of goals. And I just don't, you know, and we can come, come to this when we talk about Liverpool and how they, you know, what they've done the last four years, but you with this city team, they're just so you really look. The only way any other team comes close is they have to underperform and quite significantly for us, any other team to get to that level. And so I'm not, I'm not looking, I think city will win the league by like 15 points. And I think 
for us, if we come second, though, that's a huge, huge success and a huge statement oh, course, yeah. for us as a team because it means that if we've come second in this this Premier League, it probably means we're we've had a season where we're probably one of the top six, seven clubs in Europe in mm-hmm. terms of quality, mm-hmm. and that that's a huge level up for us. It's crazy, isn't it? And then you look at the age profile of the side and 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 think that you know the, the side can only get better and. You know, it might be we might end up being one of those teams that if we're qualifying for the Champions League, it might be a case where every season actually the Champions League becomes a more attainable trophy than the Premier League. You know, when you're just playing against a, a city with Haaland, Myers, have have Arsenal. But like, let's I mean, we have to sort of sometimes be grateful and and realistic and think about the things that perhaps are going our way. Are, are Arsenal benefiting though right now with the fact that we've actually managed to keep everyone more or less pretty fit? And when we've had injuries. I mean, fine, you could say when Partey was injured against United, you know, he was missed and we lost. But aside from that, you know, injuries, we, we've been able to cover. They haven't been in, in in the positions that we'd been short on. And generally speaking, everyone's been pretty fit. Compare that with Liverpool, who are, who are almost having disaster after disaster injury-wise. Every every week, it seems like there's something bigger. I mean, this, this, after our game, you know, Diaz is now injured until January, it seems. You know, and that's that's a huge yeah. loss. That's a that's a massive loss for them. You know, Trent Alexander Arnold. It wasn't clear whether it was. Um, you know, I think they said that his he, he was injured at half time, but I don't know if it was performance related actually as well. But regardless, the point is they've had injuries and they're struggling. Um, probably not the only reason why they're struggling. It's probably a reason. To, are, are Arsenal lucky? Would you say that that you know that we've just managed to avoid it? Well, yeah. I mean. Uh, we, like you say, we've we've not really suffered. We haven't really suffered. There's been a couple, um, couple of injuries. But if you look at kind of, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. But if you look at the starting eleven, it's probably been pretty consistent every single Premier League game. Thomas Party was one. Zinchenko has been injured. Um, aside from that, it's been it's been very much consistent. So yeah, for sure, I think we we've been lucky we've been fortunate um and it's going to be all about how we ride out the injuries um when they come and hopefully they sort of you know it wouldn't be too it wouldn't be a, the worst thing if one or two players get injured kind of november time or just at, towards the end of this month and um end up missing the world cup not that I want any any of our internationals to miss the world cup but it wouldn't be bad if they get kind of four six weeks off um but i think i think also we probably should give a bit of credit to kind of the squad building as it were right um, I see Aaron nodding his head there. So, like, you know, we've, we've got two quality options at left back. Three now, if you look at Tommy Asu, to be mm. honest. We've got, you know, we've got options across the back. I, I, I do feel like if there's a centre-back injury, if Saliba gets injured, yeah, bit, a bit of a worry. I know Ben White, you know, we can we can switch things around. But um, it does seem like Saliba's kind of just his performances have, again, just been consistently excellent. Um, Thomas Part is another one. But overall, through the squad, there are... Like I think I feel like if it's one, maybe two injuries for a game or two, I think we can probably manage. Um it's just it's just like if we get this really bad kind of situation where three or four of the big names or key players are out uh, and you start looking at who might have to come in, that's when the squad depth um might show. But I think I think what we've done so far. Uh, in terms of building our squad, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed for Champions League football next season. Like I think we're on we're on a good path in, in that sense. I feel like we're on on a good path in terms of, you know, like having quality replacements to come in. I was looking at Chelsea's bench. Uh, I think for the Champions League game they played the other day, and it was just ridiculous. Like every single player was pretty much like an international or 
I'm sure they played international football before and 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 yeah. So so yeah, uh, I think we've been lucky, but um, at the same time, we've still got to win the games, right? And team the teams less to come out and perform. So we're we're definitely doing that too. Yeah, agreed. Let's 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 just go back into the detail of the game itself. Yeah, on on um, Sunday, and uh, you you touched on something when you were talking about our left back choices, uh, and you know you did identify that at the beginning as a as you know something that was really impressive from Arteta. What what it feels like has been quite interesting is yes, Arsenal have have got this way of playing that seems to be very. Um, there's a DNA, there's a very specific style at which, you know, Arsenal playing at the moment, there's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's patterns, there's specific kind of numbers going forward. There's, there's, there's basically repeatable patterns that you're seeing every game and there's, there's clear tactics, etc. But what, one of the things that seems to be quite interesting this season is quite often Arteta is springing a very, very small tactical surprise in games. Uh, and it, it, it sometimes it's it's just it's not even in terms of selection it's in terms of kind of the specific role that individuals being asked to play we we saw it in against Tottenham where Ben White took up positions that actually he wasn't taking up normally he was playing in a almost more advanced role than than he had been previously and that actually perhaps threw up threw off preparations that Conte may have may have had like it was something that we hadn't done before and he did another one, right? He did another one this um, this weekend with Tomiyasu coming in at left back, which on reflection just looked so genius and logical in theory, having a right-footed left back playing against Salah. Aaron, and talk to me about that. Uh, I mean, uh, needless, needless to say, I'm sure you were surprised just as everyone else was to see him playing left back. Um, but, you know, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, it, I was definitely surprised. It goes back to what Maya said earlier on, which is, yeah, you, well, you talked about the injuries, right? Uh, let's just say hypothetically, like last season, if our first two left backs were injured, um, I know Tommy Asi was around, but he was also injured for a big chunk of it. That, like, that left back situation was such an issue for us last season. But this season, we're voluntarily benching who was someone who was our first choice left back and so crucial to our team last season to be like, actually, this dude is better in this situation. And the whole system still works. And, you know, the system we have, it, you know, it, whilst the players and personnel remain relatively constant, like you said, Raj, there are always these small tactical tweaks and it just makes a, an already well-oiled machine, you know, run even better. I remember reading, you know, the Bodo, the Bodo manager saying um, he, he was scouting our game against Zurich, right? And he was watching him for Zurich, but he just got, ended up watching Arsenal. And he said, um, he basically just didn't understand <laughs> what we were doing. It was just so complicated because, you know, all these players were just moving into different positions all the time. Like Jesus was obviously a striker, but then he's out wide. Martinelli's coming inside. Saka's out wide, sometimes inside. Xhaka is doing his thing. Uh, the fullbacks are doing their thing. It's it's a really intricate system that seems to be working really well. And you have to give the manager credit for that. And like you said, like you said, we brought Tommy Asu in. And usually you make a big change to, you know, the fullbacks and the fullbacks in the modern game are so important to how you play and how you build up. But we've changed that and the whole system still looks good. It didn't really impact the attack. I think the idea was to get him on his left foot going out wide, crossing balls to Saka diagonal, and he could maybe do that a bit better. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure actually, but, he, 
I think he was phenomenal defensively. I love the guy. Like, I love Tommy Asu. I, mm. I wish he was playing right back, but Ben White has just nailed that role so well. So if he gets a run at left back now, you wouldn't be surprised because he offers so much. and He's such a good player, so versatile. Um, that you know, the more Tommy Asu we get, the better Tommy Asu is, the better Arsenal do. Yeah, he's, and he's just a brilliant defender, isn't he? He's just such he's, a he's, good... I love watching him. He just... Yeah. There was that moment in the first... The first half when Salah ran at him, and honestly, I was I wasn't worried. And then then he just um, he basically won the ball and made it look so easy. And then everyone cheered, and I was just like, "This this guy's quality." I think he's so underrated as well. Yeah, and my um, you know, Salah hasn't had the greatest season, at, you know, of his career. Certainly hasn't looked that great. Mm. Um, but the fact that he was subbed off in a game where his team are chasing he's you know he's the he's the star he's the he's the star man now Mane's gone it's Salah's you know the the main kind of talisman you say yes they've got they've got uh, other talented players that they've signed since but he's the main guy right he's the main man still you'd say and um to be subbed off in a big game like that um what what was I mean, how much of that do you think was down to just the way that Tommy Asu really really negated him yeah, like Aaron was saying, he didn't get any joy off Tommy Asu at all. And Tommy Asu looked fairly comfortable. He seemed to deal with him pretty well. And it was one of those games where every, everything the kind of the, the winger or the attacker was trying, defender seems to be able to deal with. So it's an interesting one because what was the score when he came off? Was it 2 1? No. I, I want to say. Two. Yeah. Two. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2 2. I, I couldn't. I, yeah, I mean, I, who knows what the what the reasons were, but. Is it is a it is a bit of a weird one, um, but <clears throat> I mean he didn't impact the game at all, really, Salah. Like even if you think of the goals that Liverpool scored, it all came through kind of their other attacking players. Yeah. So maybe you know it's probably a fair enough switch for Klopp to make um, tactically and to try something different, right? Um, but yeah, Salah's Salah's a bit of a weird one. I, I don't know because he just signed a new deal, and I don't know if it's like I'm I'm not comparing him to like an Aubameyang at all because I know that. We, we know what Aubameyang is in terms of like his attitude, I would say. But, you know, it's quite interesting what happened with Aubameyang, right? He signed a new deal and then his performance has dropped off. And I think yeah. there's more to it with Liverpool and, and, and Salah, to be fair. And maybe it's just a bit of a bad patch. I'm not saying he's a bad player, I'm not saying he's not putting in 100%, but um, it is a bit strange. And obviously, yeah, I guess him and Mane linked up so well over the last few years. That's like, it's like a big, big um, big big loss uh, for them and, and probably for him um, as well. And maybe he's just trying to adjust to a to a slightly new style of play. And I felt like he was he was pushed back quite a lot like yesterday as well. Um, like he was having to do quite a bit of defensive work. And and I guess that's the Trent factor coming in again. You know him having to cover Trent's not in particularly good form um, um, defensively. And 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 maybe that just kind of affected his game a little bit as well. So it could be a combination of things. But yeah, I mean it's quite interesting, right? Because when you look at kind of that, we always used to look at that Liverpool front three of Firmino, Mane and, and Salah. And I guess Firmino started to be phased out, but he's now kind of back in the frame in terms of his scoring mm. goals again. But you'd look at them and you'd just be like, it was like... That's the benchmark, isn't it? That it was, was the benchmark. And now you look at our front three, and we've been saying it for the last few weeks, right? I can't wait for Saka and Martinelli to explode. I can't wait for these guys to start scoring goals. Like they were doing it, but not at a high level. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're at Salah, Mane or uh, Salah and Mane levels. But at the same time, 
it's almost like the the changing of the guard type of thing where mm. you saw it yesterday, right? How they were, these guys were just on like our our players, our attackers, Sada and Martinelli, Saka and Martinelli especially were just absolutely flying, and um, yeah. That was that was. It nice did feel see. like a changing of the guard type thing. I know it's it sounds you know it's one of those things that you can probably go oh, steady on. You know, you've Arsenal just won, beaten Liverpool for the first time in in ages, etc. We haven't won anything. Yeah. I agree with all those things, by the way. We haven't won anything yet. Um, no, but no. I think the changing of the guard thing felt uh, felt interesting for a number of reasons. It kind of also relates a little bit to one of the comments that's just on the screen right now. So you know, Prasath has has left a comment. He's an he's a Liverpool fan. He says. Arsenal deserved the victory yesterday. We didn't deserve anything from the game. However, we should have had a penalty for Gabriel's handball and the penalty awarded for Jesus, for Jesus, um, for Jesus was soft. Um, and the way, reason I'm relating to this, to the changing of the guard sort of point is I've always believed, right, that you know, a better team is the more likely a referee is going to give them those, those 50-50 edge cases. Because... I think what goes into the referee's mind, maybe it is unconscious, but ultimately they don't want a decision that they make to, to have really, really categorically changed the direction of a game. Like if one team was definitely not the better team, they don't really want to be the reason why that team won or whatever. And, and I think that a lot of the times, therefore in the past, when we've played Liverpool, I mean, you know, so there were there were all these there was these chains on the uh, threads on Twitter that were going around today, obviously, and Arsenal fans rebutting this kind of big kind of backlash, if you like, from Tottenham fans and 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 some Liverpool fans talking about how Arsenal got the rub of the green. And these threads were just almost stills and, and clips from all the times that Liverpool have had decisions go their way against Arsenal. And, you know, we're talking about stuff like, you know, when when Mane's elbowing Tierney in the face, when Van Dyke kind of nearly broke someone's leg, like it was um you know, there have been times in the past, but at the end of the day, those games, there was it was always a case where you always felt Liverpool were gonna win anyway, mm. right? And yeah. so Aaron, does it feel a little bit did it feel a little bit changing of the guard like that in the sense that, yeah, like there were some of these decisions where, you know, I think that we we probably did there 50-50, some of them were you know, it could go either way and we got them. But did it feel that the referees are there kind of going, Do you know what? Maybe I'm gonna give it to the team that looks like they're gonna win anyway. Yeah, I think. That's an element of that, I think. I think it's more like, well, which team, especially when you look at the penalty, like which team has more of an incentive here to, to like foul, right? And I think the ref, the referees looked at it and been like, Liverpool, are, like that second half, Liverpool are hanging on, and they're doing everything they can to make sure we don't score. So they've probably fouled someone here. And I think that's how they look at it. When you're on top, when you're bossing the game, the pressures are all on, and all of a sudden you go down in the box, you're more likely to get a, get a penalty, I think versus if you're just going up the other end and you are, you know, you're one touch in the box, you go down, you're thinking actually that that striker's probably trying to win something because they've not had anything all game. But when you're dominating, you're going for it, you're getting in the box. I think we I read that we had the most number of touches against in the box uh, that Liverpool have yeah. faced since they've ever played City or something like that. We were constantly in their box. Refs thinking, well, actually, like, yeah, he probably did foul him. And I, I think the, the penalty, it was soft, but... Again, it's a 50-50 and we just got the benefit of the doubt. And at this level, in these sorts of games, these fine margins do make a difference. And Mm. we've for so long been on the other end of those 50-50s. So many times those 50-50s go against us. Um, We, Yeah, I mean, you can call it luck if you want, but I think, you know, it's that phrase, you make your own luck. And by dominating, 
by giving the referee uh, a decision to make by you know having a home crowd that's loud and intimidating to a certain extent you you move all those small factors in your favor to get yeah. those 50 50s um but to go back to your point um i also think to a certain extent liverpool are in are in transition a bit and actually like you know you're transitioning from this this front three that was ridiculous that like, was so good for the last five years probably the best front three in in world football and actually yeah you take one player out and you maybe have another player that's not at the his normal level and you have small tactical tweaks here and there you drop and when you drop a little level and you're against a team that's now on the rise you know you all of a sudden you're you're not top two but you're top four or you're top five and that's just the premier league that's the that's this level of football like we were, you mentioned it on on uh on whatsapp right like if we had lost yesterday like we'd been one point spurs would have been one point behind us despite and you'd say well do spurs deserve to be one point behind us like mm. probably not but that's the reality of at this level, you slip up even the smallest margins and, you know, you will get caught. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah, going back to those, the specific decisions, but it's funny, isn't it, Mike? Because when we were standing you know, from where we're sitting, we sit right behind the goal on the North Bank with, with Gabrielle's handball shout. I mean, we both immediately, we immediately were like, that's a yeah. penalty. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you mean? saw like, his arm go up, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it happened so fast and, and uh, in real time, but yeah, it was pretty clear to us in terms of the ball made contact with his hand and his hand was way, way up. I turned to you guys and just said, oh, he's going to give a penalty. And yeah. obviously the referee didn't give it. And I was convinced. I think we were all, bit, we were all convinced. I don't know, Aaron, if you saw it properly, but me and Raj were convinced. I didn't see it properly. Yeah. Um, it just happened so quickly. I think that that's probably why he didn't give it. But well, have you seen actually the? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? So you know, you, obviously in real time it happens so quickly, and like you're right, and maybe maybe that could be a reason, whatever. And then obviously VR, VARs looked at it, and you know when you slow when you slow stuff down, it, things do tend to to look worse, right? Like you know that is the case always. But it's quite interesting because you know, like when you slow it uber down when like you slow it to the smallest like frame degree you actually see the ball hit gabrielle's chest before it hits his arm and so so in theory if the referees actually did look at that then they would have said regardless by the letter of the law that's not handball then because it's come off another body part now I don't think that they actually even notice that because it's only when you slow it down do you see the, the shirt move kind of thing as the ball's kind of uh, got, gone past it. But it, it is interesting, right? I think the point is, regardless VAR or no VAR, there's so much that still goes into these decisions, which is yeah. so subjective that it's easy. A referee can give it, they cannot give it. There's lots of reasons why, you know, why, why, why you It's can. one of those where I think... I think personally, I think something like that shouldn't be a handball, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But the problem is we've seen them given so many times that actually, like, I don't think Gabriel, like, I don't think he's intending to like block the ball with his hand. I think he just, you know, is moving in a weird kind of way. Yeah. His hand is out and the ball is just smashed against his hand. But, you know, a lot of referees do give that. It just goes back to something I've said earlier on is that, there's so much inconsistency in the way these rules are both written and applied. No one knows what handball is anymore. Mm. But I reckon you show 10 refs that, five of them give it, five of them don't. Um, 
And it's the same with other things like certain fouls, certain offsides. They're just, um, they've completely broken the rules sometimes and the refs are confused. And then you, if you have inconsistent application of rules, you basically have inconsistent rules. Mm-hmm. It's well put, well put. Um, there were, there are other, another couple of decisions in the game, wasn't there? There was a, actually probably the most farcical one that the Tottenham fans were trying to push on, on Twitter. Did you see the still from Martinelli and Trent Alexander-Arnold? Yeah, that, that was uh, have, you see, have you seen that, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely absolute, absolute nonsense isn't it like it's um it's funny and for those of you who haven't seen it there's a still going round and it looks it basically looks like martinelli is studs first on trent's ankle and you can see that the, you can see the foot kind of bending and actually in real time martinelli has gone to cross the ball and he's literally crossed the ball and after he's crossed the ball Trent's, uh, Trent's leg just happens to have tried to stop him crossing the ball and touches it. Do you know what I mean? Like it, when you slow stuff down, when you take stills, it's so easy to take stuff out of context. But um, you know what? Like it's fine. Loads of people are trying to get on up, are, are trying to bring us down, are trying to find ways in which this kind of um, this Arsenal that we're seeing at the moment isn't a genuinely uh, different beast to, to you know what we've experienced. Um, so just kind of, again, going with some of the individual performances, right? Because one of the things that we haven't actually touched on is our start to the game. I mean, like, you know, we we, we scored after 58 seconds. Um, I mean, I don't think that was part of Arsenal's game plan necessarily to score so early. And I think that if anything, um, I don't know if we suffered from scoring so early and then, and then almost tried to manage the game a little bit. But, you know, did you... Did you think? Did you guys think that when it was a when we went a goal up that it could have been, you know, that things could have got messy or or or, or, or what? Mize, what was your kind of feeling initially? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, look, reflection on the first half. I I was stressing that first half. I thought it was a quite a tough first half, to be honest. Um, and we kind of bookended it with a, obviously a goal at the start and and the end, but in between. Um, I felt like Liverpool did seem to dominate the ball quite a bit, albeit not really creating too much. Like I don't remember, I know Ramsey had to make one one save and then the Saliba kind of, um, you know, the the yeah the cross that came in and Saliba um, knocked it back to Ramsey and he managed to save that as well. But basically I don't think it wasn't like Liverpool were getting they, they, in they, and peppering they, us. They, their expected goals is, is low. You know, it's low. One, I think right? it was, it, yeah. yeah, under one, which is seemingly apparently the lowest under Klopp in two years. Oh, wow. Wow, no way. Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, but it felt like just because we didn't, like I said I said to you guys in, um, at some point in the first half, I was like, Thomas Party's getting overrun a little bit. Like, I thought he actually had a, a really good game again. But there were there were points where Liverpool just seemed to bypass the midfield quite easily. And I was like, I think Xhaka just needs to drop in a little bit just for a period of time to kind of settle the team and almost try and regain a bit of control in, in the game. That obviously all changed in the second half, but yeah, that, that first half for me did feel, yeah, stressful is probably the right word, but I guess I think it was just one of those games where like, it was a very, very emotional game for me, I thought. And it was a bit of a roller coaster with just the way the goals were scored and us, mm. um, you know, taking the lead twice and being pegged back twice and then getting the penalty. So I think it was just probably more emotions as well in that first half. But yeah, it's interesting because the stats don't really seem to... I know Liverpool had more of the ball, but like Aaron and touched on, touches in the box was 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 nothing from Liverpool. We see, I think we had like close to 50 touches in, in, in their box. So, so yeah, stats can be quite deceiving, but... Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, because I think I asked this, we talked about it um, 
on the day, but I don't think we came to any sort of proper conclusion or anything. But obviously, half time or second half, we came out and we seemed to be a completely like the the, the way the game, the the kind of flow of the game and our control of the game, we seem to seem to get that back and the game completely changed in the second half. Um, and we really came out all guns blazing. I was going to ask if you guys felt like Arteta changed anything or if Liverpool changed anything or there's any reason for that. If anything changed, I certainly didn't notice it at the time, like in terms of tactical. I certainly didn't notice anything tactical changed. But I just wonder, Myers, if us scoring, you know, when we did, what it was like the fifth minute of injury time of the first half, like 50 minutes, right? Us scoring when we did, it must have been so... It, the impact, positive impact on us and the negative impact on Liverpool must have just been huge going into halftime, right? Because Liverpool probably at that point feel like, oh, we've actually played quite well in this first half and we're going in, you know, down. Like, this is really annoying. This is like, you know, and it's it's just another annoying thing that's happened to them kind of. And then the Trent situation, you know, did they get, you know, again, so there was a change there for, you know, with regards to them. Uh, I don't know if that, how that impacted them necessarily, but you know, with us, I wonder if we just went in at half time and Arteta just basically just said, "Look, this is how good you are. Like, you guys are a genuinely really good side. Go show what you can do. Just go." And then they would have all, you know, th- that energy would be there. Uh, so I didn't notice anything kind of specific. Aaron, did you notice anything tactical? Not, not tactical. I think it was more if you look at the midfields in that first half, especially like you said before we scored. I thought uh, Thiago and Henderson were were playing really well and. For whatever reason, Xhaka and Partey, Partey especially, I thought, kind of between 20 and 45 minutes, just struggled a bit to really yeah. get control. And when, you know, the only way this Liverpool team were going to click were when, especially Thiago, but Thiago and Henderson were really moving, getting getting to grips with the game. And it might have been the goal, like you said, Rog, but I thought second half, that midfield was better. We, I think Odegaard did a better job on Thiago to just stop him from playing. And you you kill that, it you then leave a lot for the front four to do. And like you said, then we have the injuries and you know substitutions. And I think you know the system that Liverpool playing we're playing at the moment is not not great. I think it you know, the way they play now really isolates Salah a bit, leaves him with a lot to do. And then you're putting a lot on on Nunes. And I thought Nunes was actually quite good yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, but you know he ultimately just didn't get the service because everything else around him just wasn't working because we were doing such a good job. And then they had to worry about, you know, us countering. And I think actually Liverpool are often quite, quite vulnerable on the counter. And you saw that, right? Like even our first goal, I know it wasn't a counter, but we, we cut, cut through them pretty quickly. And actually the Saka goal that came from, I think they had a free kick in our, Mm. in our, in our half and they were going to score. Then all of a sudden, I think we jumped to tackle. We beat, we beat the press and, and we're in. And they're probably terrified. They were probably terrified of that happening again. Yeah. And yeah. it just means that that midfield just has to be a little bit more cautious. And it just meant that we could then start to dominate. But I don't think there was, I mean, there might be something tactical, right? Like Arteta plays is on a different level to us. And there are probably yeah. fans who, who have picked up on something and we screaming at us being like, how did you miss this? But from you know, where we were sat, where it's quite hard to notice these things, I didn't, I didn't see anything obvious. No, no. And I want to, um, you know, I want to move on soon a little bit, guys, to, to talking about the next couple of games. But but there were two things that I just wanted to to get your thoughts on. Firstly, my like, 
one potential concern, yeah, actually, is that despite the fact that we are a, a winning machine, it feels like these days, and and just the spirit, the the what the, the level of footballs, just, I mean, it's just it just looks quality, it feels quality. We do seem to struggle to keep clean sheets. Clean sheets aren't happening that often. Um, now, y- y- yesterday against Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, you know, as we've discussed, they weren't that good for Liverpool standards. They had an XG that was below one, but they scored twice. Um, and and both their goals, they were slightly different goals, but they both did involve our centre-backs being pulled apart a little bit, um, you know, and... So just, just you know, without I guess me saying any more there, do you have any concerns around this kind of challenge with keeping clean sheets that we seem to have? Well, you've got. I mean, I so I haven't, I can't off the top of my head remember kind of all of our results and uh, the games that we have kept clean sheets in. But obviously, the last couple of games, right, Spurs and Liverpool. Um, I think if you if you come out of those games with with positive results and the points, basically, then. I mean, basically, not not. I'm not particularly concerned that we conceded a couple of goals for Liverpool. I think if you're if you're a Liverpool fan, you watch those two goals. I think they're especially the second one. I think they're fantastic goals. That the, the second one, especially the ball through from I think it was Jota mm. um, to Firmino and the finish. I didn't think Firmino was going to score from there. To be honest, I really didn't think he was going to score. I thought he threw on goal. I know it's down the other end to us and can't see it, but it didn't look like he was through on goal in the sense you know he wasn't directly. It, it was quite a it's quite an angle to score from. Um, and he put it right in the corner, right inside the post. So I feel like we limited Liverpool uh, in terms of chances. This is kind of the point I was saying before, even though they had a lot of the ball in the first half and um, they did seem to dominate a large portion of that first half, they didn't really pepper us with lots of shots. They weren't really testing Ramsdale. Like I didn't think Ramsdale had a huge amount to do yesterday no. and i don't think he had a huge amount to do against spurs there was that spurs there was sorry there was a save in the first half which was the um i think richardson head oh richard no richardson chance in the first half when it was nil nil um but other than that i don't think you know it's not a game where we're hanging on or holding on so in terms of clean clean sheets uh, and kind of our defensive record doesn't really worry me too much i guess and i think when you look through the league as well i think if you look at the top clubs Apart from City, probably everyone's conceding a fairly even number of goals. I, w- I would, I would think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very, and it's even with City. So, so total number of goals conceded is not a concern, right? Because Arsenal have conceded ten goals, Tottenham conceded ten, Chelsea have conceded ten, City have conceded nine. So it's only one less. Right? Oh, okay. So it's it's not it's not um, necessarily the the overall quantity. It's just it seems like for as good as we are going forward, it does seem like most games we are conceding a goal. You know. Um, that, 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 so I think what's interesting now is you looked at you look at last season. It was White Gabriel. It was a set partnership, partly because there wasn't really anyone else to come in, um, and it was basically Rob Holding and 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 we know kind of there's a bit of a drop off there, um, and Rob Holding doesn't play the way Arteta wants his centre backs to play. Now Saliba's coming. It's like the level's gone up, right? I know it's still early days for him, but he looks like an elite defender. He looks like he can do it at Premier League level, um, and. and even though we've conceded a few goals in the last couple of games, I feel like it's Gabriel who's now the player that you're looking at and thinking, okay, he's having a little bit of a dodgy time. He can be a little bit of rash. He gave the penalty away against Spurs. You know, it was his mis. I don't know if you'd call it his mistake or not for the for the Liverpool first goal. I mean, what does he do in that situation? Is he's he does seem to get get caught under the ball a little bit, mm-hmm. and his positioning does seem to be a little bit off. But at the same time, it's 
three, four very mobile attacking players that are constantly going to make you work as a defender. Um, and maybe you could have done a bit better, but that's, I think that's the interesting thing for me. It's kind of like now, if we're looking to improve our defence, it's probably Gabriel the one who you'd say is the most vulnerable Vulnerable if we were mm. going to sign a new centre-back in the next couple of seasons. And Gabriel's the one who's been linked to Juventus and, and all of that. And I know that's like a separate conversation, but... Um, but I guess that just shows the levels that we're at now, right? Like that's the levels that we're we're striving to get to where we need two top class centre backs. I still think Gabriel could be that player alongside Saliba, hopefully. Um, but yeah, look, to answer your question, not not particularly concerned because I don't think like even though again, even though Liverpool had 55, 60% of the ball yesterday, whatever it was, I don't think they we really, really struggled when it came to them actually getting in behind us. The couple of times they did, they scored, basically. Um and on another day, maybe that doesn't happen. So they were pretty clinical as well. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how how it goes through the season. Um, but again, it's a fairly young defence still. Yeah. It's a fairly, you know, everyone's probably still in their early 20s. Saliba's 21 or whatever. So mistakes are going to be made. But um, overall, no, I'm over, yeah, pretty happy. Pretty happy. Yeah, I agree with that, Aaron. Yeah, I think, look, this is, this is Liverpool we're talking about, right? And then maybe throughout the season, you say we probably have maybe conceded a few too many goals, but like especially at the start, a lot of those were like either freak goals or like one-off yeah. incidents. And I think actually, you know, the level we're talking about now is we're playing against one of the best attacks in world football. Like you look at the personnel, right? Some of the best, some of the best footballers in the world, and yet yeah, when they click, they will they can score against anyone. Right. Mm. This isn't like they could score. I don't know who you'd say that is the best defense. Maybe you could say City. I don't know is the best defense in the in 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 Europe. Um, but that this team, that goal, anyone. It's not like we did. You know, we got cut open by a very good attack. And actually, having said that, like you said, their xG was less than one. They, you know, they scored one goal. They scored two really good goals, and their first one especially was a really good finish. And actually, I you know if. You know, us playing these mobile defenders who are, you know, maybe a bit more attack biased than defense biased, uh, means that, okay, we're going to concede the odd goal, but we're going to, it allows Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, Odegaard to do their thing because they'll get the ball a lot quicker because Gabriel and Saliba can find them five times quicker than a, a better defensive center back can. Hmm. I'm happy to live with that. I think that overall is is far more positive for us like, there are going to be times where we get caught and there's probably be a, going to be a game where that front four attacking wise aren't doing their thing but overall we should be able to find the balance and get more out of the attack than the defense agreed 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 totally agree um the, the the final point I wanted to make before we just moved on is just about the atmosphere we don't need to talk about it so much because we're talking about it every week at the moment because it is just so good but it is just, it's like, it's just this real growth story, isn't it? It feels like the fans are just growing with the team. Like the fans are learning, the fans are developing, the fans are, it feels like at some point this season, the fans realised if we concede a goal and if we really get behind the team, then it will pay dividends, <laughs> you know? And it's just, that's become a feature. It's almost just like the initial, the reaction to whenever Arsenal concede right now, it's just, you know, such a, a, a rally of support and, it's just almost symbiotic with the fact that we just keep coming back after we get after other teams come back into the games. We just go and we'll, we'll, we'll score another goal, and it's um, it's so fun to see. But you know, we were I think probably we should we should shout out the you know Ashburn and Army 
guys who have added a real dimension, a real new dimension, right, to our, our fan base that, you know, I haven't seen it my whole time at the Emirates. They, they're giving us a a bit of a, a feel like we've got some ultras almost, you know, they're just this hugely passionate group who, who, who have flares, who bang drums and who are very, very kind of coordinated in their passion. And, um, and it's just really cool, isn't it? Mike? It's just like really, really cool to have as a, as a fan to be part of that fan base. Don't you think? Yeah. I uh, completely agree. It's again, I, you have to give credit to kind of, the new regime as it is, right, as it was. So Arteta, Edu, you have to give credit to these guys because, you know, in terms of the, the squad, we, we've got this young, exciting team that everyone's kind of happy to get behind. Um, it, and and it feels like the fans are now kind of being heard. If you look at, if you even if you just think about some of the things like, um, like the Adidas commercials or, you know, adverts, it's all kind of linked to the local community and things going around in Islington and, and all of that kind of stuff. So there's lots of kind of these little changes that have happened in the last last couple of years that have really helped um, just the atmosphere and, 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 and that improving. And I think also the kind of age profile of, like I feel a bit older now, kind of old now going to the Emirates, you know, obviously before it wasn't that long ago, I was probably um, probably one of the younger ones, but now it looks, it feels like there's a lot of people kind of in there you know, early twenties or whatever, mm. um, really going with the intention of, you know, I'm going to get behind the team. I'm going to be part of something that's really going to try and push the team on. And yeah, like you see some of the videos and stuff like when we turned up yesterday and we were going up the stairs to the ground, I think it was the Ashburton army gang, as it were, not gang, but, um, those, those guys, they were coming out of the, the tunnel from, uh, the Tollington direction. And, you know, yeah, like there's a few videos going up, going around of, you know, them singing in, in that tunnel, letting off red flares, as you say, Raj, and it all does help. It all helps. And if you think like, again, in a in a season's time, if we do have Champions League football, if you can imagine kind of the atmosphere they could potentially bring to like a Champions League night, it really, really does help. And, you know, North London forever, all of these little things are, are really kind of helping generate a, a, a feeling around the club where it's not just exciting and fun to go again it's always exciting to go to Arsenal it's always exciting exciting to go and support and follow your team but not just that it's the it's just the I don't know it's just your it's very easy to get behind a lot of the things that the club are doing right now and it's very easy to get behind the team and um yeah look uh, full credit to them full credit to them because they're doing a really really good job yeah I agree it's a dream period isn't it so look we've we finished the we finished the weekend um top of the league played nine one eight lost one 24 points I mean, it looks brilliant um one point above city the the powerful phenomenal man city four points above tottenham still really baffled as to how they're doing so well chelsea um you know 16 points fine they've got a game in hand united um 15 points they've got a game in hand Look, it looks good for Arsenal at the moment. Um, we've got two games coming up this week. Uh, as your quick shout out to Chan in the comments. Good evening. He says it is a good evening, Chan. Chan was celebrating hard with us, you know, in the North Bank on, on Sunday. Um, what a guy. Uh, it, it's just... It's just great seeing. Just, just, just to segue back to this point, it's just great seeing how how happy people are in the stadium, isn't it? Like seeing the faces that we've been seeing for for years. You know, seeing people who have come there and had to put up some absolute crap sometimes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's so nice to be part of it. Um, sorry, getting back on track. Two games this week. 
The first is away, very, very, we make our way very, very north towards the Arctic Circle, um, playing Bodo Glimt away, who we played at home um, last week in the Europa League. Uh, you know, Dinesh made a comment here before, and he, 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 you know, he kind of said, also wonder if Arsenal can keep that intensity up for most of the season with Europa League as well. So, yeah, and, and you know, the Europa League is, it's, it's interesting. It's still in that phase right now where we're able to sort of play our, our second string-ish, like we, we touched upon in our, our last episode. And, Mais, do, do you see effectively the same thing um, this week uh, against Bodo. I mean, Bodo did 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 okay actually when they they played against us um, at the Emirates in terms of adventure. You know, they looked like a team that wanted to play and wanted to actually um, you know show some personality on the ball. Um, do you think it could be a bit tricky for us going away there? Very very different climate. You know, the the boys probably. Um, yeah, we'll feel that, I imagine, and it'll probably be a bit of a second string. I mean, do you think it could be a tricky fixture for us? I don't expect it to be, to be honest. Like, I think there's obviously a clear golfing quality, even without kind of second string. Um, so I don't expect it to be... Uh, I'm not saying we'll walk over them and, and sort of win 5-0, but I fully expect us to come back with three points. Um, can't see anything else other than that. Main thing for me really is... Yeah, change the team up. I guess he's probably going to keep a couple of senior players in, like you say, Raj, right? Like a few of these players, I mean, I think all of these players have got Europa League experience, but I guess a couple of the younger ones um, uh, maybe don't have a huge amount of experience, especially as we went in Europe last season. So it seems to be a trend that Arteta is going to, you know, kind of bolster that second string with a Martinelli, a a Xhaka or a Gabriel, for example. Um, But yeah, basically main thing for me is turn up, get the goals and, and take those guys off. And, and, and I, I hope that, yeah, it's, it's like what we were saying before, right? We really, really need to come out of these Europa League games with a clean bill of health because that would be an absolute nightmare if, if like, against Bodo last week, he I think he did a triple substitution of, was it Saka, Jesus and Erdegaard, I want to say? Yeah. yeah, and that scared the shit out of me because I was just like, there's like half an hour left and, I mean, fair enough. Like, I'm not not questioning it, but if something horrible happens uh, and they're out for a few weeks, one of those players, that's a big, big loss. So that's the main thing for me is just come back with a clean bit of health. And I guess also we've put ourselves in a good position, right? Two wins out of two. I know it's important to finish top and we do need to finish top. Um, so we avoid a, a round um, after, the, after the group stage. But, uh, you know, if we don't finish top out of this group, that's a that's a big, big kind of cock up really so um it's, it's pressures off really is basically what i'm trying to say we should be able to go there and play our game and, and and win i can't really see anything anything other than a win and you see you know it's still from from the fact that tommy Asu started at left back against liverpool uh, and and he played a bit of left back when he was um you know in the europa league game before that it's still an advert isn't it the europa league games are still an advert for our players who are knocking on the door to start um to just remind the boss what they can do and you certainly feel like that, you know, there is that competition for places. People are desperate to play in this Arsenal team because things are so fun. But Aaron, do you do you have any concerns? I make because it's Thursday. It's you know, it's Thursday night. Not it's not that close by. Um, it's not incredibly far away. It's not that close by either. Probably means that we'll land back in England the very, very, very early hours of of Friday. Hmm. You imagine the players are going to go home, get some sleep, and all the rest of it, and then. And then we play Leeds away on Sunday, which is, mm, it's it's a tricky game, right? You know, Le- Leeds have 
Leeds have been an interesting team this season, particularly at home. They play with a very similar intensity to they to how they played under Bielsa, um, and and have finessed certain areas, tweaked certain things. It's it's a it's a very interesting team, Leicester. It feels like they are pretty kind of all action. They play at a high, you know a very high energy and, and have got some quality. And we this showed against Palace, uh, you know, although they they ended up losing the game, that they've got some quality. Does it concern you, mate? Just the fact that we may not actually get that much time to prepare for Leeds at all? Uh, yeah, I think it does. But ultimately, yeah, part and parcel of being a big team is, you know, going away in Europe and then coming back and maybe having to go away to a team like Leeds in the Premier League and, and actually having to go and get the business done. And, you know, that's, that's just the nature of being a top club in Europe, right? Everyone has to do it. It's it's not an excuse. We just need to figure out how to deal deal with it and just go and get the job done. Like, let's be realistic. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky, but it's Bode Glint and it's Leeds. Like these aren't. Yeah, it's not like we're going away to Atletico Madrid and then playing, going away to the Etihad, right? Like these. Yeah, there are harder games, and mm. we are, we are by far the better of the both those teams considerably. Um, it's it's just, is, that, is, that, we, is that a bit disrespectful to Leeds? I know we are better than Leeds. Don't get me wrong, we get better than Leeds, but this is a team they stuff Chelsea, they stuff them at um, at Ellen Road. Um, you know, yeah, I'm not saying. Like, I think the Premier League is like I think the Premier League is hard, right? Every game in the Premier League is hard, right? Mm. But we're still better than Leeds, right? Like any anything but a win is going to be a massive disappointment on Sunday, right? And that's that's the level we're at now. I mean, even last season, I would have expected us to win. And I think we, we did beat Leeds. We always tend to do quite well against Leeds. Yeah. We hammered them but, last season, but that was that kind of, yeah. they, that was weird, isn't it? They had all those injuries and COVID yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but no, look, I think we just, we need to, we need to find that balance of just giving players minutes on Thursday. I still think the Europa League benefits us more than it costs us at the moment because we need to give players I minutes. Mean, like you could argue mm. if it wasn't for the Europa League, would Tommy Asif be in a position to play good point. Good on, point. on Sunday, right? Um we've got players like Vieira and Ketia, um holding Turner, who are all desperate for minutes, Lakonga. All these all these guys need to play. And they they're now they're you know they're they, I hope desperate to get these minutes because then they know that they could be part of a a winning side, right? And it's, it's really good if you're a player, you're coming into a functioning high-level Premier League side that's winning Premier League games. If you're Eddie, you're thinking, if I get some, you know, a run in this team in the Premier League, I'm going to get goals. And, you know, he looked really motivated in the Europa League when he plays. And I'm I'm really excited to see what this side can do, this Europa League side can do, because I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing players. You know, these players like Vieira, like Marquinhos, I want to see them play because we mm. haven't seen them that much. So I'm genuinely looking forward to it. And then, look, we... Yeah, I think oh, the other thing that worries me a bit, though, is apparently Bodo have a, an artificial pitch, which um, mm, okay. which is probably not the best for the injury. So maybe, actually, we do take it a bit more cautiously with playing some of our first-team players because that is... Over and above playing Thursday, Sunday, playing on some of those dodgy pitches is probably worse, worse for you. But um, honestly, though, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if we just didn't. Like, we could be losing 1-0, 2-0, hypothetically, on Thursday. And actually, we say, you know what, this game doesn't matter. 
Um, yeah, especially because, well, on the pitch point, you don't want to bring yeah. on your first team players and then get injured on that. Exactly. Position. And actually, you think like you win your home games in the Europa League, you win one or two, two away games, or you get 10, 11 points. That's usually enough to win the group. Uh, so you don't have to win every game in this competition. And actually, hopefully, the, the same reserves, the, the Europa League squad can do enough. But if we don't, this is not a game where we need to bring on players like we did on in the home game. Yeah, I agree. Russ Morgan in the comments saying, evening, lads. Evening, Russ. Hope you're having a nice one. Um, again, back on back on topic with, uh, with, with just to finish up the the, sort of the weekend's Premier League games. Looking, yeah, looking looking at. That. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because if we if we beat Leeds, if we beat Leeds, um, and uh, then we get go up to twenty seven points. We look at the other games that are on this weekend. There's there's potentials for people to slip up. I mean, Spurs are at home to Everton. You expect Spurs are going to win that, to be honest, right? But then you go down, Chelsea are away at Villa. Man United at home to Newcastle. Liverpool City. Hmm. Someone's dropping points, isn't it? Is, I mean, that, is, that, is Liverpool City before our game or after our game? After our game. It's the last oh, game. Okay. Super okay. Sunday, yeah. Okay, are we, on, are TV, we on TV? Yeah. I was going to no, say, are we on TV? We're not. TV. We're not. Village Lira's Elton. going, I think, as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you for him. I hope he can be on the next pod and uh, and you know and you know. So we anyway. But, so again, you know, there's 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 opportunities for people to trip up. I, I wonder though, boys, you know, is it one of these things that you know, are we getting a little bit not spoiled, but at the moment, you know, we are playing really well. We 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 believe in what we're doing and we're winning lots of games. And I think it. What I don't want to. We are going to drop points, right? We're gonna we're gonna drop points, and it probably won't necessarily be as linear. Saying you know we are gonna drop points against the best sides, it might be that we just drop points against you know other te- like a Leeds away. That you know it's it's a game like that, right? Um, and we just almost have to accept that that's gonna happen at some point. Surely that's gonna happen because I mean we can't. I mean surely we can't just keep winning every game. You know it's gonna at some point. Um, and it feels like it's one of those games leads away i don't know i've got that little bit of concern in me that it just feels like it's that sort of game that could um yeah that, that could be like that so i'm gonna kick off the predictions guys and say that i don't think we'll lose um but i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with 2-2 so mice tell me what do you think i i i yeah, I, I kind of have this feeling that there's going to be a game. So I personally think we're going to slip up against Southampton. Again, I'm not sure we'll lose, but I think we'll drop points to Southampton. Which is When do we play then? Is that coming up? The week after, the game after Leeds, right? I think. Um, uh, okay. Game after I think I could be wrong. Okay. It's so coming 20, up. 23rd of October, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of Leeds, I know that's getting way ahead of, of ourselves, but yeah, Raj, I kind of agree with you. I just feel like this is not really sustainable. Like what we're doing now is not sustainable. I, I mean, look, I, I hope it, I hope it carries on uh, until May, but realistically it's, there's going to be a point where there's just going to be, something's going to go against us. Could be a red card or something. And, and, and the game turns on that maybe or a dodgy decision or whatever. And, um, you know, we, we've, we, to be honest, we've had the rub of the green a little bit as well. Even if you look at the Liverpool game, some of the incidents there um, maybe overdue, but yeah. So, so anyway, my prediction for Leeds, um, I think, I think we'll be too strong for Leeds, um, and I think we'll win three-one. Mm-hmm. Aaron, 
Uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I think the only reason you're worried, Raj, is because you're basically saying that, or are you saying you're worried because we've basically beaten Liverpool and like eventually this, this the fun is going to stop? There's probably a lot of reasons. I think Leeds are actually decent at home. Mark, I think they're a good team. And I think that um, being at home and, and the type of football they play, they'll come with a lot of energy. Uh, I, I think there's probably going to be some element of fatigue that's setting into our team just over the fact that, you know, we for all our easy fixtures in inverted commas, yeah, right? Like we've played three out of the top six. That's more than anyone else's. Yeah. You know, our, yeah. our, 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 the rest of the top six, no one else has played three, right? So we've it's been tiring. I can imagine like this bit, this this run's been tiring. And then, you know, even if some of the guys don't play in the in the Europa League game, they're still travel, right? So yeah. that traveling, that that extra thing to play against a team that are just highly energetic, I just, I I feel like it's just one of those fixtures which you could slip up for, or, you know, for those reasons. And I think the other thing is just the pure statistical point that at some point we're gonna things aren't gonna go like I said, like we're probably not gonna get every decision, and and you know, it, it, it we might we might just it might be one of those days where the ball just doesn't go in, you know, those sorts of th- that that sort of thing. One of those days. So it's for those reasons, mate. Okay, fine, fine. Um, well, I'm going to go the opposite. So I think, <laughs> I actually think, yeah, like it's also we're due a chance where like a game where actually everything goes good. Like I know we're playing well, but actually, like for us, we've been playing at this top level now. Mm. Played Man United, played Spurs, played Liverpool. We've had to be on it, right? And we have. And I think we could rock up at least if we rock up with that same intensity that it takes to beat Liverpool, to beat Spurs and we should have beaten Man United, but we didn't. Um, I think we could give a team a good hiding. So I actually think we'll win four nil. That's a, that's a, I was going to go five, but I, I, I calmed down. The, the interesting four. thing is, despite <laughs> my prediction, your rationale is a plausible rationale because yeah. equally as much as I'm concerned about Leeds energy, they're not going to sit back, right? So, no, so no exactly. Yeah, they're a team yeah. you want to. They're the type of team you want to play. In like, if you you if you want to have a game, like, if a team comes at us and plays football, we we will win, right? Where we're more likely to struggle is where a team sits deep against us, and I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, and, and they try and counter. I don't think that's really Leeds game. They will come and they will it's try top, and play. Mate. That's top. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Look. Well, like I think that's a that's a full that's a full um you know, a full episode. You know, the, the preview two games in <laughs> full episode. Sorry. <laughs> I was. You know what? I, was, I tried to quickly save the direction of what I was saying. I was about to say that's a full house of predictions in terms of saying like what you know a loss, a draw, and a win. But then I realised that was quite late, and I tried to save what I was saying. You know? No, he but, predicted um, we we're going to win. That's two wins and a draw. No, I know. That's what I meant. Oh, right, like okay. so so yeah you know i, I got it, it wrong get it. do you get it I you get it, it. sorry yeah, okay. it's late yeah. it's late yeah. like <laughs> i'm pretty tired i'm sorry listeners um for this <laughs> sloppy end to the episode uh look guys thanks it i mean it's feels the same saying it every bloody week it just feels so good at the moment um i i'm really do you know what like maybe a closing thing that i would say is this is going to sound silly. Like people would think that I'm not trying to make this out to be some kind of Robin Hood story here, but this, there's a very similar feeling to the Leicester season in the sense that every game, I think even as fans, we're basically just saying, 
look, this has been great, but at some point it's going to slip up. At some point it's going to slip up. At some point it's going to slip up. And I think I, I really feel like the players are sort of taking that in a really positive way and then just basically saying, do you know what? It's just about the next game. Just this is when the next game. And it's a very cliche thing to say, but I really get the impression they're doing that. I get the impression that they're playing every game like it's a cup final and it's just it's just about that one game and that you don't think about anything else, just that one game, one game, one game. And um, and that's kind of, I remember that's kind of what it was like with Leicester and no one was talking about the title until they basically almost won the title. You know, I'm not saying we're going to win the title. I'm just saying that it's a great... I think it's quite a cool vibe that's going on right now. Everyone's living for the moment and just enjoying every result. Um, and uh, yeah, man, like, so it's interesting because we've also not got very many home games coming up now from, from now until the um, World Cup. Uh, so, you know, it's it's um, it, it, it's it's weird because when things aren't going well, you, you obviously want a break. But when things are going well, you just want to be at the Emirates all the time, don't you? Mm. Um Anyway, guys, anything anything closing from your side, Mice? Um, not really, man. Good job hosting again. Thank you. And um, no, it was good fun. And yeah, man, just just like you say, buzzing for the next game. Um, very excited to see what this team can do this season. Very excited to see kind of how some of our players develop. And um, yeah, I think it's just a good time to be an Arsenal fan. Good time indeed, Aaron. And is it a good time? It is. It is a very good time, and we just gotta roll with it and see where see where this journey takes us. That sounds like so romantic, man. Yeah. This is lighting, mate. It's the mood lighting in this hotel. Mood lighting, man. <laughs> You've used that line before for sure. <laughs> um, no comment. All right. Listen, everyone, thank you. If, you. if you're still listening, really appreciate you listening for the whole episode. Like, share, subscribe. Um, thank you for the support. And, you know, enjoy being an Arsenal fan. If you're not an Arsenal fan, um, really appreciate the sport as well. And, and you know, like, let us have our moment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. See Take you later. Easy. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.